This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Cruciola, and me, Amanda Smith. Hello out there, all you disaster divas. Welcome back to the Disaster Girls podcast. It is I, your co-host, Jordan Cruciola. And it's me, Amanda Smith. And we have a prophecy to share with you all today. We have the news for you. <laughs> the good word. <laughs> the good word. The good word in the in the metaverse uh, the um, of a uh, twenty twelve and twenty twelve esque lore, Mayan yeah. calendar lore. It's it's a so doomsday prophecy. I just gonna say it right now great addition i think to the apocalypse like canon i hey listen jewel state as a blonde pretty archaeologist blonde sexy archaeologist what more could we be asking for that was really it like i this movie was always gonna have i was already gonna like unless they really bombed it i was gonna Mm -hmm. probably come in pretty hard like pretty high on this one and it didn't disappoint. Jewel State showed up and was a pretty blonde archaeologist. That's yeah, all she I was needed. A, she was a pretty blonde archaeologist. I'm looking at an alternate poster for it. This would be, um, I don't, maybe this is German, uh, mm. but a alternate title for it looks like it is Prophezeung, Prophezeung, Prophezeung der Maya. Looks to be like oh. a perhaps German title of this. Okay. Yeah. Uh, of this movie so that's just to emphasize the fact that this is a this came out in 2011 and this is the era where we're really capitalizing on the 2012 end of days end of the Mayan calendar apocalypse mythology yeah that was for those of you who don't remember once we got through the whole like Y2K thing we moved right into our next apocalypse we We, really just we were so starved for disruption in our daily lives uh, in the first 10 years of the 21st century, that we just had to make up apocalypses. Now we're like jettisoning towards several, it feels like, in any given time. Yeah. So it like, but in like, so it feels like, you know, in the way, like when the pandemic arrived and um, there was sort of a wave of people like, you know, there's a category of person who wants to watch disaster and horror stuff when disaster and horror is happening. There's like a wave sinking kind of thing there. I think it happens emotionally where it's like, okay, this is yeah. soothing to me. But that wasn't like, we weren't watching things like 2012 or perhaps Doomsday Prophecy to cope with the fear. We were like disaster porning the fear yeah. of the yeah. end of the world. It was just like a, we're bored. Let's figure it, let's pretend the world's going to collapse. Absolutely, yeah. There was no true, like, oh, yeah, the world is really going to end and we're going to play this out. It's not even like a day after tomorrow, which was kind of like playing out a potential future, like, granted, like, large version of what was ultimately, you know, a a warning about what's happening to us currently. Yeah. Uh, No, this was just straight up like, yeah, that could, like, the Mayan calendar. That sounds like a real thing. Yeah. That's happening. Yeah, we can mark it off that. Yeah, it's like, it honestly would be like if every... Every year there was some sort of large push for Pi Day and then we would do like (laughs) 
It's like, oh, Pi Day is coming up. Here comes the the annual Pi Day movie. Yeah, <laughs> the annual Pi Day movie. Uh oh. Like it's a very arbitrary designation we've given this, but yeah, sure. The world's gonna end in 2012. Mm-hmm. Why not? Yeah. But and this and what's great is that no one knows because there's sort of this amorphous like, well, how exactly is the world ending? And no one really knows. And so it has to be these increasingly absurd. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got the neutrinos in 2012. Yeah. Yeah. And in this case, it's just sort of a black hole. Yeah. It seems. Yeah. A, a black hole is opening up. Yeah. And it's kind of just like moving toward us. Yeah. Barreling forward, making noise, looking scary. And like, like it, causing. It, it's coming at us like a Pac-Man ghost. And causing um, like untold crazy shit to happen. Like we cold open on like the sea, like uh, uh, sinkholes or so are opening yeah, up. Yeah. In the and black swallowing, sea. Yeah. Swallowing seas. And that is, you know, that's fucking stuff up. And there are earthquakes and mm-hmm. and all of, it's not like like the moon has been obliterated and therefore like the tides are subject to and it's not like a hollow earth like the core is not slowing down or something causing like destabilization in the layers of the earth it's just like there's an approaching black hole so shit is getting fucked up on earth yeah it doesn't really there doesn't really seem to be a full explanation about why cuz like new york gets swallowed by a very mild earthquake and it just like there's yeah. these chasms opening yeah. Um, and, you know, for reasons. And we're just going to go with it. Because it's a <laughs> yeah. disaster. The thing is, is the, the beauty of the made-for-TV disaster is that ultimately the why never matters. Like the why No, is the no, most, it doesn't. The most sort of, because we said so, of reasons. Yeah, I'm not yeah. hung up on it. No. So, you know, my biggest thing with, with the chasms opening was I was like, I feel the earthquakes didn't feel big enough. I wanted more of a sense of disaster from them. Yeah. But I had no question in my mind when when a giant lava river opened in Canada, I was like, yeah, you know, sure. That's how it yeah, that works. Definitely. And, you know, I don't know what happens when a black hole starts wandering through the solar system. It's so. true. We don't really have we don't have precedent for this, so it can no. we can choose our own adventure. Exactly. I'm I won't quite if a thing that if I have zero ability to go, yeah, that might be a thing that happens and you yeah. know the, the rules. This are isn't off. you watching Volcano or or Dante's peak yeah. being like i can talk about the geological reality we of have this precedent for that yeah they have precedent they they have there are rules in place physically and geologically by yeah. which to assess but doomsday prophecy no not really no. once we get into the once we get into the easter island heads were buried a foot below oh yeah the, the soil and then they rise themselves up like on an automated platform and blast a black hole <laughs> i feel like at that point the rules of science and logic no longer apply, and that's okay. Yeah, I was glad for an appearance uh, by the Easter Island statues. I that mean, feels that's that's just that's waiting there like Stonehenge. I was gonna say it's like you either I, I was I was expecting it to I either that or like that they link up with Stonehenge. I figured there would be some sort of like international satellite system of right. I but I I loved that they decided that. Because obviously what hap- what they realize with the prophecy and the reason that Jewel State is important is because she has heard of the Easter Island heads. Yes. Um, and so which they uh, they are buried in Vancouver, Canada, as well as down on Easter Island. Uh-huh. uh-huh. You know, as one would expect. Yeah. They are buried in a forest in Vancouver as an Earth defense system. Yeah. Which, you know. Yeah. Of course they would be. That's... I. 
honestly, no surprise there. Sure, I'll go yeah. with it. Yeah, <laughs> no, so on the scale of surprises we've encountered yeah. on this podcast, that one is not high up. Yeah, I feel like after four years of doing this podcast, when that happened, I was kind of just like, yeah, okay, sure. Like, maybe a few years ago that would have caused me to react with some degree of, like, disbelief or... But I'm so, at this point, we've we've gone so far into the world of, well, yeah, okay, that that's not unreasonable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it's not like a baby hippo running across the road. Like, yeah. <laughs> The baby hippo is truly just a precedent-breaking, precedent-remolding decision. Yeah. Once you throw a baby hippo in the road as a hit and run, like, all the bets are off. Yeah. As a hit and run. It's true. Yeah. So, ultimately, the the, the head's coming up. At, great stuff. Loved Loved yeah. that. Just I like, thought, yeah, and what a, you know. Go for it. Use the natural world, use things we know, things that have always been around as a way to tee up a disaster for us to make the world feel like a scarier place. Yeah. And I mean, sure, that's probably not what those heads were for um, on Easter <laughs> Island. Yeah, but like that's, are the Easter Island, are those heads a mystery? Or are they just like, no, they were created by a tribe. And I mean, then like the tribe put them, put them there. We know, like, yeah, we don't. I don't think we know the ritual purpose of them. I think, okay. like, much like Stonehenge, like, I think that we don't know the origin of it. But I'm not okay. positive because it's human stuff, and I don't really fuck with that. But uh huh, um, humans are involved with the rock. I have no interest. Y- um, yeah, but like, it's not a mystery of like the same way that Stonehenge or uh, the pyramids the ways that you get those rocks transported is not a question like there is no mystery of how could a civilization be able to put this there that is not legitimate but like the uh-huh. purpose of it the ritual aspects of it that would involve oral tradition or a passed down history i don't sure. think we know that well uh, especially if they're located in vancouver well and yes and once you know you transport these heads to vancouver it's just all bets are off yeah. We although we know the purpose for the Vancouver buried ones, they're the Earth Defense System. Like yeah. that one's no they're question. They're ours. They're they're the space force that we're yeah. working on now, basically. Essentially, yeah. And all we need are seven heads that you just have to dig two to three feet into the soil. And <laughs> really, not far. I know, and they didn't really. I'm still not clear why three feet of overburden was needed for. Oh, I guess they had to put you had to put the stick in it to activate it. Oh, that's right. That's, that's right. true. You did need to put the the magical hematite, which, by the way, I have never heard anyone pronounce it in a more bananas way than jewel state. <laughs> a jewel state. I think she called it hematite. <laughs> is just entirely the wrong emphasis on every syllable. Yeah, like to the yeah. point where she said it, and it took me a second to be like. I don't know what words she made up. And then I replayed it and I was like, does she mean hematite? <laughs> Outstanding. Great stuff, Jewel State. Hematite. But um, yeah, she, the, the carved like the carved hematite stick was needed to activate. And so I guess that's why they needed to unbury the heads. Right, yeah. I liked the, uh, I liked the, we're gonna we're gonna fake you out with a with an expert only for him to die and like spiritually transfer his expertise onto somebody else just like a guy who works at a paper yeah 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 so like the the basic premise is essentially that there is a a a modern nostradamus who went missing many years ago and he you know became a, a hermit living up in the canadian woods and 
he contacts a publisher in New York and is like, I have my next manuscript, but only this one random dude who mm. works who works in your office and is truly just some guy. So, some guy, yeah. Only this some guy can come pick it up for me in person. And spoiler alert, it turns out that it's the long lost son of the prophecy guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's why this some guy is so important. And uh, that's how he ends up with, Jewel State and yeah and Jewel State is like she's she's like the one person who she's under only archaeologist the, in all of Canada is my yeah it, it, like the way they frame her it's like well nobody we couldn't it's not like you're a specialist in this field it's like there's no one but you I'm sorry my cat will not stop rookie you're ruining the audio recording thank you yeah, no, she's the only specialist, and uh-huh. she's the only one who can do it, and it helps that she's also really pretty, so yeah. therefore, she's going to end up being Eric's partner, because yeah. she's going to fall for Eric, because he's just some dude, and she is Barbie. You know what? And this is, <clears throat> what I'm realizing right now is that this is this guy's dad, since this is a long loss. This, he's yeah. setting him up on a blind date. Absolutely. He's, he's, he's matchmaking him. Because he also has the gift of sight. So yeah. he can be like, mm, you know what? This is going to play out real well. I'm going to do this. Yeah, I yeah. think that's actually what happened. I think this, this is, is right. dad, dad, long lost dad was like, ah, that's a pretty girl who knows about this thing that I need you to know about. And, you know, you've been plugging away long enough. I have no faith in you. Like, I'm going to have to just like force a matchmaking situation on you. Honestly, I, man, now I wish my parents would like have the gift of prophecy and set me up with a sexy archaeologist. <laughs> Truly, with a sexy archaeologist. Just set me up with a sexy archaeologist. That's Come all I'm asking. On. It's really all a girl wants. Yeah. But yeah, it was, I mean, I, I did, I agree. I like the the taking him off the board entirely very early on. Like Eric and sexy archaeologist Jewel State show up at the house and he is already dead. Yeah. And... Eric immediately grabs the stick and has the vision of prophecy, like, like sees the future, and they're off and running. And it's just like, they're going. They're on their adventure now. Great stuff, guys. <laughs> and then it's just a question of getting that. Like, What's funny about Eric's ability to see the future is that it mm-hmm. does not actually do anything particularly effective or guide him anywhere. No, it doesn't. It's not like having... He's just like more aware of terrible things. Yeah, like he know he realizes he sees himself getting shot at, and so then he goes and puts himself in the situation where he gets shot at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, he like it's like I see myself getting shot at by like, but like you're in a situation where you're being pursued by very militarized men with very yeah. large weapons. I that didn't take. I didn't need an oracle to probably get me to that conclusion. Though Jewel State clearly. Needed a lot of reassurance, like needed a lot of proof that these people meant her harm as she's about ready to like throw herself in front of authorities. It's like, why are you trusting the men with big guns? What are you doing, Jewel? Yeah, there's always got to be like the one person who doesn't totally get that the bad guys are actually the bad guys. Yeah. And so, you know, I didn't feel bad. I was like, eh, it doesn't bother me that she keeps wanting to go to the guys shooting at <laughs> yeah. them. Because she's got to do it. Like, that's her <clears throat> role in this. She mm-hmm. has no power over it. Just as we can see from the Doomsday Prophecy, 
from the fact that Eric can't out like every time he sees people shooting at them he ends up in the exact situation where he's being shot at yeah we can't change the future so of course she's gonna go to these guys she was predestined to do so yeah she was this was she's predestined you're right it was written in the stars and by the by the long lost dad who wants to set his son up with a hot lady exactly a hot talented doctor lady scientist a woman who has a career, whereas his entire job has now fallen into the Manhattan caverns. So yeah, it's true. Yeah. Uh, and he never seemed particularly passionate about publishing anyway. No. And I, I'm not convinced Eric can read. Like, <laughs> we're given no evidence. There's nothing about the thing. You're right. Is, He's just given flashbacks. He doesn't have to decipher something. No, like, on he doesn't the page. have to do anything. What's crazy is that, like, when you're watching it, he's, you know, Jewel State is. Not like a household name, but she's mm-hmm. a hey that's guy level, hey a hey that yeah. guy level. Like for those of you who weren't, you know, space cases stands like I was back totally. in the day as a child. But he's just some guy, and there's nothing about anything about that actor that goes beyond just some guy. Yeah, that seems to really be his appeal, honestly. Yeah, he's but not you know, like women over overqualified women settling for some guy. Not Talk about unusual. reality index. Yeah. There it is. It's truly that. Eric could be multiple people that I know's husbands or partners. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Unquestionably. Some guy. Just some guy. And yeah, she's going to have like, a job. Capable and he's a- enough and has a job and that's, that's really all it takes. Yeah. And eventually he will decide that job isn't fulfilling. And mm. then what he's going to do is he's going to quit the job and mm. her career is going to support them both while he engages in a series of hobbies. Yeah. Because he's just some guy. Yeah. With a lot of potential that's unrealized. And he knows sure. that. Yeah. And he like would fulfill that potential if he wasn't so held back by the weight of that potential. Yeah. Because it's that's... a burden to have that much potential. Yeah. You know, he just like the thing is, is that he wants to do these things. But in order to get into the position where he would feel like he was fulfilled, he would have to take a shitty job for a little while. And he's not going <laughs> yeah. to do that. That's kind yes, of the correct. vibe that you get from Eric. Like he's very clearly his when and initially his publisher's like you have to go. The, his boss is like you have to go to Vancouver to pick up this manuscript, and he's mm-hmm. just like has zero. He's like no, I don't want to do it. I'm not. It's like man, just get on a plane. It'll be forty eight hours. Yeah, it's your job. Just go. I, I like I don't understand turning unless maybe he's not getting a per diem. Nothing I love more than a travel <laughs> per diem. Sure. Yeah. I have $80 to spend. Let me go spend all of that at an airport gift shop buying candy that is $6. Yeah, like what a, what a nice excuse. Yeah. Ooh, you get to have hotel breakfast. The worst. <laughs> I mean, no, yeah, not no, that. Just terrible. I get to go spend like 12 <clears throat> hours in Vancouver. Please, God, no, anything but that. So I, anyway, Eric. I really like, appreciated the, like when he does lose New York City because New York is yeah. swallowed. I did appreciate how awful that buildup was like he's on the phone with basically his editor and his editor is basically just like watching the city fall to oblivion in front of his eyes knowing that like his high rise is going to get swallowed up next and I was like this is a good disaster moment right here yeah I think that like if they had put a little bit more money into the act of like making those earthquakes feel more dramatic yeah that would have been really genuinely harrowing Mm -hmm. like that's like it was it was a good moment but it it could have had more but Obviously, like, we're grading it on the scale of it. Even, like, graded on a scale of a made-for-TV, I feel like they could have done a little more with that. Than I just agree. shaking the camera. But, like, you'd knock a couple things off a shelf or something, man. 
But I did, yeah. I, I like the way that it starts to get fuzzy, and then like Eric's on the phone while his boss is about to die. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good stuff. Love that the opening sequence involved a guy out running the entire Black Sea, just swallowing, yeah. like being swallowed up. Yeah. It started with a really strong disaster outrunning sequence. Enjoyed that quite a bit. Yes. Because, you know, that's like, for me, if, if we can have somebody out running a disaster, I'm set. <laughs> yeah. You've, you've fulfilled the commitment to the assignment. Yeah. Like, that just shows, like, if you have somebody out running a disaster in the first few minutes of your movie, it tells me that you know what your movie is supposed to be. <laughs> like... That's it a good point. You've, you've it conveys done, like, an understanding of the material. Yeah, yeah. It's just sort of like, oh, okay, we're all operating on the same level here. You've 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 seen the canon. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know, you know the disaster canon. Because you yeah, know the disaster canon. I just want to make sure that whoever like, yeah, this is it's not gonna be, <laughs> yeah, it's not gonna be as good as like a 2012. But I just want to make sure that you're aware of what you are expected to bring to the table. Yeah, and yeah, this yeah. movie this movie starts us off really strong with that and gives us like the the handsome kind of amorphously handsome um agent who will end up yeah. switching sides and we start off with him early and I'm like yeah great good stuff I would have liked to have seen more of him honestly I thought yeah me too honestly yeah yeah because he was he was interesting and like he obviously switches sides uh Eric mm-hmm. convinces him and we learn that he's not the true big bad which we should have figured out from the fact that Alan Dale was cast as was cast in as well. He is, of mm-hmm. course, going to be the big bad. Has he ever played anybody not sinister? Is that just like, does, like it's one of those things where like even if they do, yeah, even if an actor like him plays someone not sinister, you kind of don't trust them the whole time as a result, right? Like I just kind of assume he's going to be sinister, and it's amazing because it's like Stellan Skarsgård. I'm like, you're a bad guy. Yeah. You're a bad guy. It's Caleb Landry Jones, Skarsgård. bad guy. Yeah, but that's also what's nice about that is that like. <clears throat> I did enjoy that Alan Dale basically was cast as Mike Pence before Mike Pence existed. Oh, God. Wow. Like, looks like him, has mm-hmm. the same theology as him. Yeah. Because this is really, like, ultimately, as we find out, the Alan Dale general guy, who is the other government guy's boss, mm-hmm. is um, he knows about the prophecy. He's on board with the prophecy because mm-hmm. he's like, Everyone else is going to die, and then I'm going to shepherd in the next group. Like I'm going to shepherd in the future. Was it? I've yeah. known for years about that rod and its ability to predict the future. Like he's been waiting for this to happen. Uh huh. Um, it's very like end times evangelical vibes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whether or not they intended it to be, watching it in 2023, you're like, oh boy, that is not not Mike Pence's philosophy. Yeah, yeah. It's like guys, it's okay that the end of the world is coming because like that means that the the divine will be saved. Yeah. It's going to be okay. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like horrible Christian politicians being so supportive of Israel because it's right, just because like, they're the like fulfillment oh, of- all the Jews will go back to Israel then we're going to and then they'll all die and then yeah. the end of the world will come. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, very familiar with that. That is Yeah, that that very that very pro-Jewish stance. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nobody supports Israel like evangelicals. It's uh yeah, it's really something. It's a thing where it's like, gosh, I feel like there's a motive here, you guys. You're giving the game away a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet somehow a large swath of my community is like, no, they're our friends. And I'm like, do we have to do this again, guys? Could we you do this a tr- lot. How could you ever trust them? Like, they've just given us, they've given everyone so many reasons not to trust them over anything. Like, <sighs> well, and that is the question, isn't it? 
That is the question. Yeah, mm, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yes. So it is very it is very much the Mike Pence wants to return all the Jews to Israel. Um, Alan Dale wants to have possession of the he- uh, the hematite mm. scar. Uh, I can't even say it intentionally wrong like she did. Hematite staff. <laughs> hematite. I have to like yes, actually because yes. like the British say hematite and that's not wrong either. I have to really focus on hematite to get it. Okay, like, so wait, what's the right way? Hematite. Or hematite. hematite. That's it. Okay. Okay. Hematite, hematite or hematite. Like you hit the first syllable and then the rest of it just kind of follows and you can either say the H-E is a hard E or a soft E but either way is right. It's putting the emphasis on the ma. That's the really where you get hematite. Get gotcha. a little cattywampus on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Biggest reality index betrayal. It's hematite. Hematite. It's, you know, which like hematite for the record, bef- just in case anyone is like, well, does hematite have powers? No, no crystals have powers. But beyond mm-hmm. that, hematite is mostly just like a sparkly metal. It doesn't have powers. Right, yeah. But, yeah, sure. It's a hematite. Sure, if we're talking about a Mayan calendar into the end of yeah, days movie, that seems I mean, like a fun thing to have powers. carve it up a little bit. Why not? Make it yeah. all fancy. Yeah. <laughs> Make it all fancy. Sure, you can see the future at that point. Why not? So, it is... I, I truly did. I, I enjoyed that the staff basically was, like, on hand, but he very rarely accessed it. Yeah, I like the wrinkle that, like, you can't access the staff too much, otherwise it will kill you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, that's what it cost on this. I liked, I enjoyed that. I also thought that it was like, okay, that also gives you a nice way to have it be like, well, he can't just constantly get answers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's always, like, the question when you've got something that can predict the future is like, well, why don't you just keep going back to it? It's like, well, Mm because it'll apparently just give you, you know, brain decay. Yeah, yeah, you'll aneurysm to death or something. Yeah, just like amorphously brained problems we don't know scrambled you just get scrambled it's it it scrambles you're right it's it's brain scrambler yeah that's it yeah yeah the the only thing that was did not work for me Mm -hmm. was the whole subplot with the native the indigenous person like the indigenous guy and his daughter yeah only that was so they're right that was so it was it just turned them into ornaments yeah, and they didn't really serve a purpose, and they showed up so briefly, and then they disappeared again for so much of the movie, and then they showed up, like, they had, like, two to three scenes, and it was, it felt like there was stuff that got cut or something. Sure. But also, there was nothing that could have been cut that would have related to the plot. Yeah, so it was just, really- like, we have this, we have this native man and his granddaughter, and he's, like, the guy who's always known because... He is spiritual and understands the yeah. land and prophecy in the world and everything. And he's like, I need to help these people, I guess. Like, and that, like, and then there's a, like, what, like, he gets shot. And it's just like, we, did we, we bring these people in here to put them in danger and that's it? Yeah. And fortunately, like, the one thing I was really glad about, he did not die. He got yes. shot and his pendant stops the bullet. Yes. So he lives. But we don't really, we don't see them again after that, do we? No, I don't no. think we do. Yeah, so like again, it's just this thing of like, uh, they kind of show up. I'm not entirely sure that they served any purpose even within the plot itself because like they gave him information, but I don't know that that wasn't information you couldn't have otherwise gotten. Yeah, it was. It was not a real big reveal. No, I mean like I don't even think they help him find where the heads are. Like it's truly yeah. just 
he kind of they just got there and I'm not fully sure what the purpose was for it and it it was weird it was just one of those things where I was like mm, we just don't need it and then also it just you've kind of turned given it this like oh it, it, it felt like they were trying to give it more credence by adding in some sort of mythology from like from indigenous people yeah which would somehow make it more real mm-hmm. which is just like that's a mysticism and a sort of uh not objectification what's like exoticism is that the word i want yeah I yeah like i think exoticism of the indigenous people it just seemed unnecessary i don't know mm-hmm. it was the only thing that was like mm, it seemed like an note. attempt at a nod of like oh let's honor the fact that like these people with institutional knowledge have had an eye on this thing coming this whole time because of how much more in tuned they are with like the universe itself but that just like turned it into like a reductive like magical native person yeah because it's not like they did anything could do anything to stop it because yeah they, they didn't, and they didn't give them enough yeah and then obviously and it's not like they were like okay you you need to give us the staff now and then like the grandfather has the ability to read the staff like no it's this random white dude named eric mm-hmm. and then the, his native granddad friend like there's no the, it's not as if they even like were the people who were going to ultimately serve the purpose of saving the planet. Yeah. They were just there in service of the random white dude who has the ability, which is just like, meh, not great. Not great yeah, stuff, guys. No. But, And just know. easily, just so easily expendable. It's like you could have yeah. cut all of their stuff out and you wouldn't have needed to have like salvaged the movie otherwise because they were just tacked on. Yeah. It, it felt, it was a weird, it was just very weird. And it was weird particularly because of how far how much of the movie they drop out of like we meet them in the first few like first I say like 10-15 minutes of the Mm -hmm. movie and then they drop out for so much of it it's just like Mm -hmm. did you guys forget they're in this too (laughs) do you guys remember that you had this coverage yeah it kind of feels like maybe they forgot that they like oh shit we wrote them in and then we just left them in the woods we gotta go back and film with them a little bit guys because those Mm -hmm. actors have been out in the woods for 10 days just waiting for us to come pick them up (laughs) like that's not not what that felt like yeah, no, you're completely right. Yeah. So it was, but I mean, other than that, it was, you know, the dynamic of, of Eric and Jewel State was not bad. Like, there were a lot of things that this movie could have done worse that it didn't. And mm-hmm. because with this kind of a movie, you're really grading on that sliding scale of like, could you have made this worse? And they mm-hmm. didn't. So, and you, you didn't. Know. And you didn't. And you didn't. And that's really all I can ask of these films sometimes. Yeah, like, it's I had true. A good I had a good time watching it. I don't know. Yeah, I had a fun time. And like, I did love, I did love how how obtuse Eric was, where at one point, like, Jewel states, like, why would he say, why would Crane say it was your birthright? And Eric's like, I don't know. I never really knew my parents. I'm an orphan. Yeah. Can't figure out why he'd say it's my birthright. And it's like, well, you, what is a birthright, sir? Yeah, it's like, well, maybe, maybe right now is a, a teachable moment. Yeah. Maybe right now is a moment to open your mind to some curiosity. Yeah. I, why do you say it's your birthright? Hmm. Is it possible that maybe it's your birthright because you were born to it? <laughs> just, just suggesting. Just an option. Options, yeah. choices. Yeah, and I, I just, I, I did, I did to a degree almost enjoy how incurious Eric was in that way, where he was just like, <laughs> from start to finish, he truly was just some dude mm-hmm. trying to just like follow the instructions of a stick. Yeah. And who yeah. has just, just trying been... just trying to do his best. Yeah. Ambling into the apocalypse and trying to stop it. Yeah, 
yeah, he has no special skills. He has no reason beyond the fact that he was born from the guy who happens to have the staff superpowers. Which that's how it happens with men. It is truly. Yeah. Yeah. He was just born into it. And he were never told like that there's any special reason that he has any skills or anything about him that makes it him the reason that the world is saved. And yet Mm -mm. he is. And I kind of liked that. I didn't actually, I had no issues with that aspect of it. Yeah, no, me too. I, and I, I, I didn't mind the pairing of him and Jewel's state, of that man and Jewel. Yeah, I mean, granted, there was no, like, sexual chemistry, and we had to no. believe that they, by the end of it, she cared or was into him in some way. But, like, yeah. eh, but that's always, like, the price of entry. Otherwise, it was fine. There was no, like, weird, I, like, when you describe her as sexy archaeologist in the description, I was, like, sure there was going to be some weirdness happening. Yeah, it would. It never. It never did the weird thing that that kind of bullshit, like telegraphing, would suggest, which was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, like Eric never once sexually harasses her, and in a movie like this, that is five stars. I will absolutely take that. I will absolutely take that as a win. Oh, a hundred percent. That is that is a victory. We can just shut it down now. As far as I'm concerned, that is the prime win. Because so rarely does that happen where somebody doesn't make it fucking weird. Even, you know, uh, was it Nick Turturro? Yeah, yeah. Ming Na Wen, and you're like, oh, God. Oh, dude, yeah. Let's not, Absolutely. Let's not make that a thing. No, we're making it a thing. Here, you never really get the sense. I am, uh, I've ended up on AJ Buckley's IMDb, and I think he is in uh, the military show with, yeah, SEAL Team, the David Boreanaz show. Oh. And he has gotten just positively swole to play I, that part. I was going to, I had to assume like at that, once you say he was in SEAL Team. Yeah. That's got to be quite the, quite the cocktail of yeah. Marvel juice going into your I, body And I there. like, it goes from like a photo of him in SEAL Team in 2022, just like dirty and jacked and wearing like fatigues. And then yeah. the next photo in the sequence after it is him from 2005 in Supernatural. Oh my God. Yeah, Ooh, he which is how whole, like, I think of him. Yeah, he does a whole like train like a Navy SEAL thing now too, apparently. Wow, oh, those okay. are some abs. Good lord. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Oh. That is, he is. Yeah, this guy could, this guy could fend off a black hole single-handedly. I, again though, like, that's that, he's got like, I mean, not to, not to body shame, but it's that Marvel body that's like, Yes, yeah, the Marvel body. Marvel body's unsettling. Wow, he did CSI New York as well. Like, he did have steady work for a guy who really has just some guy face. Yeah. He's also in Home Sweet Hell and Walking <laughs> Tall, The Payback. Home Sweet Hell is, I think, a movie that I know and mm-hmm. that I sincerely I love, if it's what I'm thinking of. I mean, Home I can- Sweet Hell. I'm 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 moving into walking tall. Oh the yeah, payback, Catherine Heigl Kevin... and Patrick Wilson. Home sweet hell is a delight. Oh my god, that is Catherine Heigl. Oh yeah, she cuts a body apart wearing nothing but white underwear and a see-through like jacket over the top, and it is an incredible sequence of events. Fantastic. Jordana Brewster's in it. Yeah, Jim Belushi. What a cat, Kevin McKidd. This is yeah, quite a Patrick, cast. Patrick Wilson plays a man named Don Champagne. He does. He does. And she's Mona Champagne. She's Mona Champagne. And he owns a local furniture store. 
And he is the uh, emasculated beta in the house where Catherine Heigl is the total obsessive compulsive alpha who keeps him whipped into shape. And so he engages in an affair with his employee and Jordana Brewster and ends up in 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 a real in a real quagmire involving criminals and drugs and his bad bitch wife has to like stand in and like take charge in certain moments where Don Champagne cer- simply doesn't have it in him. Amazing. A great oh Catherine Heigl God. role, everybody. I highly recommend. I was going to say, like, Catherine Heigl playing a woman named Mona is perfect casting. It is. And Catherine Heigl, just like, it's not about this, but let it, let's just let it be recognized. Body for days. Oh. Catherine Heigl, stunner, body for days. That Ridiculous. is a babe right there. No, ridiculous. Like, Catherine Heigl, ridiculous, like, ridiculous human. Just. Yeah. Ridiculous human. Like, she is, I know that, you know, not to, not to make Barbie, like, more of my personality, but she absolutely, when I was, like, a teenager and young adult, was just like, wow, that's what would happen if Barbie's body became real life. Yeah. Catherine Heigl. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, and I just, I want to celebrate Catherine Heigl because pop culture really, did her dirty and yeah. uh I want to I, I want the best for her in her life and career oh agreed I've I've always been a I've always rooted for Katherine Heigl to succeed in these things like I think that there is there is a world where Katherine Heigl if she had had like the opportunity if she had arrived a little later she could have been an Allison Williams I think that's a very that is a very good point yeah if she had arrived just, a little later she could have been an Allison Brie oh yeah absolutely the Allisons. Just, the Allisons. She just the wasn't white, like... The white moneyed Allisons. She just wasn't... Like, the problem was is that when she was reaching her ascendancy, like, society and culture was not ready for somebody to be kind of just unapologetically brittle. Yeah. Be, yeah, not, prickly. Like, yeah, she's just brittle, and that's okay. Yeah. She's but, not, like... It's not likable. No. But, like, she And that's is, great. But like she, yeah. But I've always liked her. <laughs> yeah, like she's not, she's not likable in the sense that like there's always an edge and a distance that you're gonna have yeah. to her as an actress. Yeah. But you're rooting for her because she's yeah. compelling. <laughs> yeah. Like you fucking should with an actor. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I know she's always gonna have a little bit of the vibes of like the girl who laughed at you when you asked her out, and that's okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where is God? Catherine Heigl needs to be in disaster movies. I feel oh, like Catherine Heigl would never, but she no. really, she's made enough like Gerard Butler rom-com kind of movies. She should made disaster movies too. Yeah, no, she wouldn't do it. And like the risk, of course, with Catherine Heigl is that she'll insult it afterward. But like, yeah. <laughs> okay, so just, you know, that's what it is. Like, accept that Catherine Heigl's going to insult you afterward. Just like if she came to your house, she'd tell you how lovely your house is. And afterward, she'd be like, the kitchen was so fucking ugly. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. She's going to talk shit about you after she comes to your home and eats a meal. That's just who <laughs> Catherine Heigl is. Oh, I love that. And that's that. part of that friendship. Like sometimes That's part that's, of that friendship. We're allowed to have frenemy actresses. And I think that <laughs> Catherine Heigl is our most underserved frenemy actress. I think that's a very, that's a great category. Frenemy actresses. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I truly like, I yes. So, wow. Okay, I might... I might have to add this to my watch list just because. I think you'll have fun with Home Sweet Hell. And it's Patrick Wilson being just, he's just so over the top 
fail son. He's right. He's so fucking charming. I love Patrick Wilson. I love Patrick Wilson so much. I mean, I just in general as an actor, he's one of those actors who I'm just always like, can I just get more Patrick Wilson, please? Yeah. In my life. The only my only complaint about Aquaman is that it wasn't a full fucking deep sea opera mm-hmm. with like let Orm sing, let Patrick Wilson sing. I mean, I, I give Patrick Wilson. I think Patrick Wilson should be allowed to sing in everything. And just I think him and his, his wife, karaoke performance just Dagmara, Dagmara Dominic are uh, an underrated Hollywood power couple. I'll go with you on that. I don't yeah. know his wife at all, but I'll go with you. Yeah, yeah. I think they're I think they're a total underrated star couple. So shouts out to them. Yeah, but no, Patrick Wilson just like he, I mean, I was about to say he should be, in it, but he was in a disaster movie. He was just underserved in the disaster movie in Moonfall. Yes, but like yes. yeah. We, Patrick Wilson and and Catherine Heigl perfect pairing because like that does Patrick Wilson does to a large degree and maybe this is entirely shaped by the fact that the first time I was encountering Patrick Wilson was when he played a guy who couldn't get an erection as a superhero in oh Watchmen. right yeah but like he's I know he's tall I know he's rugged he does have sort of a beta male vibe like he, oh, he's so good at that. Yeah, like he's got a little bit of a sub vibe. He's got to him. the confidence to take that role. Yeah. Like Patrick Wilson sort of just has a sub vibe to him that I think that pairs nicely with Katherine Heigl's yes, terrifying Dom quality. It is that is absolutely true of them both. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But it's uh Man, if we're if we're having this much of a conversation about Patrick Wilson and Catherine Heigl and characters named Mona and Don Champagne, does that mean, <laughs> does that mean we're done talking about this movie? I feel like once we hit the large digression into other yeah, movies, yeah, it like, kind of lets us know. But like yeah. once once the character names like Don and Mona Champagne come up, you have you kind of you have to be forgiven for the I mean, digression. That's that is truly like naming characters is always so hard and. I think it's partly because people don't want to take the big swings of going with Don and Mona. Don, yeah, you're so right. Like, I should really just like stop worrying about your character names. Go big. Yeah, stop. If there's a Don and Mona Champagne, you can name your characters whatever you want. I think Mona Champagne's going to become the name that I use to check into hotels and stuff. <laughs> like, when I want to introduce myself to strangers and I don't feel like giving out my name, be like, Mona Champagne. Mona Champagne. See how that rolls. Just make it. Yeah. Make that, yeah. And the, yeah. there will, there will be Janet a pause Snake for hole. thought when you deliver the name Mona Champagne. Mona Champagne. <laughs> Mona Champagne, I yes. I love that. Uh, nothing about me screams Mona or Champagne, but I'm going to go with it. <laughs> I think you should. I think you should commit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, maybe that's my romance novel line name. Mona that's Champagne. A great romance novel writer name. Oh, yeah. Mona absolutely. Champagne. Mona Unlike Champagne impressive. and Danielle Steele. They know yeah. each other. Mona Champagne in cursive on like a hand painted cover. <laughs> that just works. Yeah, absolutely. Then name it the protagonist as well. Oh yeah, no self insert for sure. <laughs> the Mona Champagne cinematic universe. Oh man, can we get the Mona Champagne? <laughs> oh, now I just want that for Katherine Heigl. Like yeah. every genre, give her everything. Mona Champagne traveling through the world. We're in the world is Mona Champagne, and it's just like a. Suit. Where in the world is Mona Champagne? Yeah, just let her let her take this on as a character role. I love it's, that for her. It's really fun to say. Yeah, it really is. Mona Champagne. Mona Champagne. It just <laughs> rolls off the tongue like God. <laughs> Mona Champagne. 
<laughs> my entire life has changed just from this conversation. This is. I we, hope you like the movie. I, I, I. Who cares about the movie? This has just sent me into a whole new world of like, this is my new identity now. I'm going <laughs> to legally change my name. I'm no longer Amanda Smith. Like, yeah. I mean, it's always it's always been a, a, a not Googleable enough name for you. It's true. I mean, that's just always been one of the perks of it. But also, like, there's you know hundreds of Amanda Smiths. There's probably only one Mona Champagne. <laughs> yeah. Could be two now. There's, yeah. Oh, see, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Fight. There can only be one. So I'm gonna have to fight that Mona Champagne, which is terrifying. As a yeah. Concept, if you but... if you have to fight Catherine Heigl, that might be a tough one. Oh, she I'm seems lose. like a bad bitch. I'm gonna lose. She's gonna beat me to death with the heel. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm gonna die with a Louis Vuitton through my skull. Yeah. No question. This is this is this is the content you come to Disaster Girls for, you guys. <laughs> Does that bring us to what this movie is really about? Yeah. I I'm kind of I'm going hyper local. I'm just this is a movie about a father desperate to set up his loser son with a pretty girl. Like a a man who will after estrangement on the doorstep of the edge of the world, he will still be like, but the thing I need to do for my son is find him a wife because yeah. he is so incapable that he'll never, he's going to die alone if I don't use the apocalypse as this excuse to find him a girlfriend. I think that that's a very reasonable reading of this film. That Yeah, I'm going very, I'm sense. going very local. Yeah, I think this is so again, as I often take like we often one of us will end up inadvertently being local and one of us will inadvertently be abroad. Yeah, Uh, mine is the big picture of it. I think this is a movie about uh, our current problem of how every generation passes the buck onto the next. True. To stop climate change, to Mm -hmm. make the world a better place, how every generation sort of is like oh, well, we've given the tools to the next generation to solve the problem. Yeah. Likewise, there's nothing that's really stopping Crane from, like, figuring out where the heads are. Like, we don't really ever get an explanation for why Eric has to figure out where the heads are, why, like, Crane Mm -hmm. makes a cryptic map versus just giving him the information he needs. And I think that that's not dissimilar to our policies on climate change and how we're yeah like, that's we're not gonna... dissimilar to the boomers just fucking yeah. tossing it all off man yeah to be like oh well here's climate credits and uh we have a plan that in we're gonna reduce carbon emissions by 2050 and it's like well so okay so what you're telling me is this is a later problem yeah you're and saying that's... we're kicking the can yeah and i think that this is a movie about what happens which is that you end up with when you push these things off, you um, you end up with sort of a void where, mm-hmm. you know, an insane Alan Dale evangelical can try and use it for his own purposes, mm-hmm. where you can see these things manipulated by other forces. Mm-hmm. And then you end up with just some guy running through the Vancouver woods trying to save the world on his own, which it comes down <laughs> to the wire. Like, he does save the world, but it really comes down to the wire there. And yeah. It's interesting. So I've been talking, like I've been, I've been working on a disaster movie, writing one of my own, and I was telling my folks about it, and they were like, "Well, okay, but how does how do they solve the problem? Like how uh-huh. do how do they fix it? Because mm-hmm. it's about the moon uh, blowing up, essentially." And I was like, "Well, they don't, because in disaster movies, oftentimes what ends up happening is it's not really about solving, undoing the damage; it's about make, stopping the damage from being worse." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that to a degree, and I think that again goes back to our climate, you know, the way that we handle climate, where it's like we could have actually stopped this. And right, now yeah. every measure that we're taking is how do we not make it worse? And there is no thought of, okay, well, how do we undo the damage? 
That is very true. It yeah. is only handled like a like a disaster movie where yeah. the only course of action is mitigation. Exactly. And so I think to it like so again, I, I do think this is kind of in parallel with that, that like this is a movie where, you know, Crane had the ability. We could have gotten to this point theoretically, right? Mm-hmm. Like earlier, Crane could have we have no reason to believe that those heads couldn't have been activated sooner. Mm-hmm. I guess like they had to be on the they, I guess, no, they did have to be on like the correct alignment but there's no reason we couldn't have crane couldn't have warned that there couldn't have been mitigation efforts prior to it to protect people Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so the idea that like well how do we undo the damage you don't yeah is is seen here and i think that that's i'm not i feel like i'm i'm talking in circles around myself but like i do think there is a strong element of that aspect in this of like well you could have maybe done something sooner and you didn't mm-hmm. and likewise with our climate policy so mm-hmm. that's what i think this movie is is actually about it's a warning and it is a a reflection of our current state i and you know isn't it just dispiriting how much we can keep going back into disaster movies and be like this is about how things even are now in 2023 because people just yeah. haven't fucking changed. Yep, because it's all just the same problem. Yeah, because Constantly. we're all just kicking the can down. The day, was it like the animal, what was the animals attack? When animals oh, yeah, attack? Day, day of the animal. Day of the animals, yeah. That was a fucking climate change disaster movie. Yeah, that, well, that was a ozone. That was the, the hole yeah. in the ozone layer, yeah. And then it just fixes itself. Mm-hmm. Everything's solved. Because, yeah, everything's solved. Oh, tomorrow problem. It was a warning. The earth gave us a warning. It gave us a warning it, through Leslie, Leslie Nielsen. Nielsen. <laughs> yeah, through patriarchal Leslie Nielsen. Oh, God. Leslie Nielsen shirtless fighting a man. Like, never. That was one of the best disaster villains we've had in oh. any of the movies we've covered. He was yeah. amazing and so upsetting. Well, that's, I mean, what was great with that is that, like, I don't think we've had many disaster villains who go, normally the disaster villains are kind of, like, in the Bond villain way of sort of a contained gentlemanliness yeah, their, yeah, like a pragmatic quality. Yeah. And there was none of that. Leslie Nielsen was just balls to the wall unhinged. Yeah, he was just evil. He was yeah. just like an evil chauvinist. And it was great. Loved it. Loved Yeah. I mean, the the minute that he took off his shirt, like more more disaster movie villains should just remove their shirt. Yeah. Not just because in a, of lust. In a show of force. In just a take show off of, your shirt. You, Tara, like just menace with your nipples out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> true story yeah so that's uh, you know in terms of did you have fantasy casting for this one I mean now that we've talked about like what is this movie if it's Patrick Wilson and, and Catherine Heigl <laughs> oh my God. what if they, what is this movie if Patrick Wilson is now the the suffering prophet and Catherine Heigl a yes sexy blonde doctor lady scientist I'm going to bring back the home sweet hell duo and I'm going to be like, let's see what, like, I want, I want them both in disaster movies now. And we've talked about it. So, oh, fucking K. And yeah, there will be a musical interlude at some point and Patrick Wilson will sing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I In my head, I was thinking about like the, the sort of screwball comedy bickering quality of it, but. Oh, I mean, yeah. I hadn't even thought of the prospect of Patrick Wilson singing, but I'm thrilled. Love it. Can't yeah. wait. Yeah. He can be like. A wedding singer whose side gig is Courier and yeah. is sent to go to Vancouver to pick it up. Yeah, that sounds good. Great. Done. I'm in. And then he, he yes, and then he's paired with Katherine Heigl. I love it. Yeah, and she's much more intense it, it, with Katherine Heigl. Oh, well, yeah. 
Yeah. Like, she's the one who figures, she the whole time is just, like, angry that the staff doesn't work for her. Yeah. And yeah. she's, like, she is the one using what he is experiencing to actually learn the lessons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that makes that, she's solving things. Versus yeah, like, she's solving. Yeah, versus we're kind of both of them in this set that currently as it is, kind of are just both on, like, a... a moving sidewalk situation where the plot That's just moves him along. And it, yes, no, Catherine Heigl would, would be solving and having her like Da Vinci Code moments there. Yes, very yeah. much so. Yeah, I like that. I like that combination. I was going to keep Jewel State um, because love her. And I'm going to oh, give yeah. her a Hollywood Chris. I'm going to oh. So two things. One, when we do the rewrite on this, obviously, um, yes, Eric is like the child of Crane. Yeah. But obviously, in this case, Jewel State is going to be the one who is prophesied to have the visions and everything. Like, let's sure, give sure, her, sure, sure. like, no, Chris is, we're going to throw in Chris Pine. Because oh, Chris Pine fun. plays This beautiful. is, of the Chris's, this is for Chris Pine. This is for Chris Pine. Like, you need With a guy With his sense who, of fun. Yeah, who's like, in for an adventure, in to yeah. be like, a little bit self-aware, but never fourth wall breaking. And then also is very good and comfortable at playing the second banana to a woman. He is. Yeah. He's fantastic at it. Like He's very confident in that. Yeah, he does. I, it's because of his his feminist studies in college and his, uh, like, that's, you know, he wrote, like, erotica. He took, like, a feminine that's erotica right, yeah. class. Like, Chris Pine is is the thinking ladies Chris. I think that's 100% true. And yes. he's, yeah, he's the women's studies Chris. And he's very capable of being like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to be uh, second in command to that lady. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, we're gonna have Chris Pine and Jewel State, and it's I love Jewel that State. as a as a I love that as an upgrade for Jewel State. Yeah, no, I just I was like, you know, let's service her for this. Like she's put in her time in the trenches. Let's she give has. Jewel State. I can't I can't in good conscience remove her from this and put anybody That's else in. So reasonable. Yeah, I want to give her her moment in the sun. So uh, we're pairing her with Chris Pine, and I don't really have the rest. Of the the rest of the cast is sort of like they just fall into place, like whatever. Yeah because it doesn't ultimately matter but giving her that and I'm making it a, a tent pole like we're giving Jewel State her star moment here yes you know as she deserves because she God knows what she had to put up with in the Whedon verse yes absolutely no like let like you know Jewel and Charisma Carpenter yeah let them ascend yeah absolutely every every woman who survived the Whedon verse deserves a disaster movie of her own <laughs> yeah <laughs> At the very least, yes. Yeah. And also maybe, you know, deserves like a mesothelioma settlement. But like, <laughs> it's beside the point. Uh, but yeah, so that's how I would recast. Okay. And then Towering Infernos wise, where are you fallen? Towering Infernos, I would give this one, I would give it a three. I give it a three. Okay. How about you? You know, I'm actually really high on this one. I was going to give it a 3.5. Maybe okay, like great. a 3.75 even. I really enjoyed it. I like... All right. It's funny. I have very few notes um, on this one, which is generally speaking, because my notes tend to be like very negative where I'm like... The, right. Notes the notes... Put, the things that jump out are like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like my notes are normally like, oh, really, dude? Or like... And occasionally yeah. quotes <laughs> that like really are jarring. And then I go back through and like once I've processed the full movie, then I synthesize like the bad feelings into like, mm. oh, actually, you know what? That wasn't too bad. Like I'm cool with that. <laughs> yeah. Just those initial moments where you like feel like you've been punched in the face with confusion. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so like this has very few notes, which generally for me means like I just mostly sat there and watched it. Okay. I was sick when I watched this one. And so I was like really sitting there and like hanging out, needle pointing and watching it and had a great time. 
I, Excellent. I, like walked, got a out of it. A good recommendation. Be like, listen, I was sick and this movie really, I, was, I had a good time with it. I was so sick and it was so entertaining when I was very, very, very much not feeling good. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this is like, this is a great, <clears throat> this is a great homesick movie. This is a great, I got to recover from a minor procedure movie. Ah, great, okay. I'm up at 2 a.m. and I have to nurse the baby and I need to watch something movie. Like mm-hmm, this is, mm-hmm. I think falls into that category of like I don't need more than two brain cells but also it's gonna be just benign enough that like I'm gonna have a good time yeah 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 it'll keep you going it'll be entertaining it's stupid but in a fun way like good stuff so yeah I, I I'm coming in at 3.75 on this just the doomsday the prophecy curve. a solid performer yeah good stuff not yeah. quite moon catastrophe but who is or not moon yeah earth catastrophe moon catastrophe well, fine yeah, that's right. Who is Moontastrophe? No one's Moontastrophe. No one is Moontastrophe. Not technically the working title anymore, but still what I call it. Um, but yeah, yeah. codename Moontastrophe. Codename Moontastrophe, because it makes me laugh every time I say yeah, it. Yeah, it's great. Um, but yeah, it's not Earthtastrophe, but what is? Yeah, yeah, and, it's so true. You know, and, and if you can't be that, be just good enough. Be good enough. Be, go- be a nice time when someone is sick. Yeah. And that's it. Did a great job of that, so I'm very feeling very good about it. And then next week, you know, we're not. Oh man, I can't believe it! But we're almost at the end. We're winding down episodes 13 and 14 of Surface. Of Surface, yeah. Wow, I can't believe it. I know, I know. Our journey is almost over, and we still haven't had contact from either the Pate brothers. So the clock is winding down, guys. We're doing the best Surface PR, truly. I mean, if they've gotten 0.01 cents in residuals, it's been from us. Oh, ab- yes, 100%. It's been me purchasing the season. Yeah, same. Same. I just I just want to know what was supposed to happen. <laughs> Please, if I don't find out what was supposed to happen, when I die, my soul will wander this earth restless. I'm going to be a ghost who like opens and closes cabinets in your house while pouting about the fact that I don't know what happened in season two of Surface. This is your unfinished business. It truly is. This is it. This has been my unfinished business and like consistently so since 2007. So we're, yeah, episodes 13 and 14 next week. Uh, we get to spend more time with Martha Plimpton. And I uh, am so excited about that. So excited for Martha Plimpton's weird performance. Um, and, you know, super miles and all that shit. So can't super wait. miles. Fucking lame. I know. I know. But more Dr. La- Dr. Lady Scientist Lake Bell. Oh, good. And with fucking um, with Martha Plimpton, the two of them. Come on. Oh, just going to be going to be good stuff. Can't wait for more of that. So that'll be next week. Um, and then, you know, we I have I can't even explain how I got there. But there is now merch that says Disaster Barbie. Um, Disaster Barbie in the Barbie font. In the Barbie font, as well as a shirt that has the intro text from Volcano um, that, you know, the in the event of an emergency text. Yep. Emergency uh, management. The city of Barbie land. And it's the OBM. And that's all in Barbie font. So uh, it's... (laughs) Maybe the most unhinged merch I've made, or the most devoid of context merch I've made. But uh, I like check it devoid out. of context merch. Yeah, that's a I good. That's a good distinguishing factor. It's the most devoid of context merch I've made, and uh, <laughs> it's. But it's there, so you can go find that at the Disaster Girls store. Um, we also have a uh, Cracker Barrel has fallen line. That is, all the profits go to charity. Go to the Sisters of um, 
Perpetual Indulgence. Perpetual Indulgence, yeah. yeah. Who are a charitable organization who's done been doing great work uh, ministering to the sick, in particular during the AIDS crisis, mm-hmm. when the Catholic Church would not. Um, and they were recently honored by the Dodgers, which caused a stupid outcry from people who don't even live in the state. So yeah. we raised like... I haven't done the I, I've done like a very broad calculation I haven't I have to figure out like the sales tax situation but conservatively we've raised about $600 for that which, which is, is so cool really what a cool. fun thing yeah so you know I know some people who, who listen have participated we I know we had a lot of people who don't know the podcast who participated but it's it's really incredible so um, that's also available and that's all at disastergirls.myshopify.com mm-hmm. and then Jordan where can we find you you can find me uh, on Twitter at Jorcrew, J-O-R-C-R-U. Uh, there are weekly new episodes of the Feeling Seen podcast, so I highly encourage you to go back and listen to that. But yeah, those are the two main places. Oh, and then there's, of course, June 29th, Video On Demand, Give Me N.A. will be available for you to watch the anthology I produced last year that is 17 women directing shorts about uh, basically emotional rage reactions to uh, the obliteration of Roe versus Wade. And anthologies, that's, you know, your mileage may vary. They can be pretty hit and miss. I am so confident in, in what we deliver consistently across 17 shorts and an hour and a half long this is not an anthology that will take you hostage so support independent cinema and rent give me an a on vod at the end of this month amazing it's i mean congratulations that's it's really thank spectacular you it's extremely exciting yeah that's really tremendous um so yeah and then i'm amanda smith says on twitter uh i'm amanda smith on blue sky we also uh so we're there we're there as well now uh blue sky and so uh, I'm just going to redo this. So, yeah. And I'm Amanda Smith says on Twitter where I always am. Mm-hmm. Um, I am also Amanda Smith on Blue Sky where I'm not skeeting as the, the kids call it so much. Oh, is that what they're calling it? They're calling it a skeet, which started as kind of a joke, but is kind of stuck. But it's kind wow. of like, they're called really posts. taking that one from the aughts. Yeah, they're called posts technically. But then the joke became that they're skeets, and I'm sticking with it. Like, fuck y'all. Okay. That, I don't care if you guys want to call them posts. They're skeets. Okay. Um, so I'm rarely over there, but, like, increasingly so. Um, and then, of course, we're disaster underscore pod on Twitter. We're disastergirlspod at gmail.com. We're disastergirls on, on Blue Sky, although I am definitely not doing anything over there yet with that. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, if you guys have a few minutes, please take a couple seconds to rate and review us. Give us the five star. Give us the rating. Um, it's super helpful. Tell all your friends and family and loved ones about us. And please do. Please do. And we'll see y'all back next week for Surface. Nearly the end of Surface. No. I know. Bye. <laughs>